Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. We're, uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to go to Luke 1 this morning and uh, I believe I have a word from the Lord. So it's the first Sunday in Advent, and uh, we're just so thankful for the gift of Jesus. And without trying to sound too cliche, he really is the reason for the season, okay? He really is. And so I, I implore you over the next few weeks to fix your eyes on him, to just... To even, even those little three-second prayers, thank you, Father, for the gift of Jesus. Like, just begin to tell the Lord that. Begin to thank him for that gift. And uh, we heard that, we heard, uh, we heard Nina Gunner say this, that it really is a gift because if you would have had to pay one cent for it, it would have ceased to be a gift. Amen. If you would have had to pay one cent for Jesus, it would have, he would have ceased to be a gift. But you didn't have to pay anything for him. He just said, uh, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved, loved the world that he gave, that he gave. And we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. All right, we are celebrating like like he did, he wasn't just like poof, I'm here, I'm 30 years old, and I'm going to minister for thir- for three years. Right, he did. He was born of a virgin, folks. We're going to read this in a second. But he really was born of a virgin, which is mind-boggling to think of. But he was. He was born in a lowly manger in a stable because there was no room for him at the end. I mean, it's just this absolute incredible story, and and not just a story. It's. I mean, let me say this. We're about to read this Christmas story, but it's more than a story. <laughs> okay? I want you to understand, it's more than a Christmas story. It's, it's truth. Like, we believe this is true. This is the foundation of what we believe, okay? It's not, the foundation of what we believe isn't that we just come into a room with a bunch of people that we see week in and week out, and then we tell people about it, hopefully, throughout the week, what we do and who we love and whom we serve. It's more than singing some songs. It's more than putting some money in the offering plate. It's more than serving when we need people to serve. This is, this is what we are here for, is the person of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says that he emptied himself of everything, all right? What does that mean? It means that, let's say this, we know that the Lord is supernatural. We know that he is all-powerful, that he's almighty, that he's omnipotent, but, but that's a, we, we know that he's those things. But Philippians 2 says that he emptied himself of everything, which means that he said, all my supernatural abilities, if you will, I'm going to I'm going to lay them to the side and I'm going to become come and I'm going to be born as a man here on earth. He was fully God and he was fully man, but he chose not to use his supernatural abilities, if you will, to live a spotless and blameless life, to live as an atoning sacrifice for us. That's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating that he chose before the very foundations of the earth is what the word tells us, that the lamb was slain, which means like this. I've said this before. 
That the Bible says before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. So there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a triune God. He's three. He's, he's one God in three persons. It's, it's hard to understand, but it's just what it is. And so before the foundations of the earth, there's this conversation in heaven. And the Father goes, they're going to mess it up. And the Holy Spirit's like, I know they're going to mess it up, but I'm going to be there to comfort them. And the Son's like, I, I guess I'm going to go. Not that I guess I'm going to go. I'm going to willingly go. And I'm going to go live my life as a man. And I'm no longer have, going to have the priest go and make the atoning sacrifices for them. But I'm actually going to live a holy and spotless life and be their sacrifice. So that they no longer have to put their trust in the blood of bulls and goats. But they can put their trust in the blood of me. And so he chose to do that before the foundations of the earth. He chose to be born as this baby. And so once you understand the importance of what we're celebrating, it's, it's more than Christmas trees. It's more than silver or gold. It's more than Christmas carols. It's, it's more than sweaters. It's, it's more than all of these things. It's more than presents. It's about the presence of God here on earth. It's Emmanuel. It's God with us, okay? <laughs> so, Luke 1, I'm going to read verses 26 through 38, and we'll actually look at this the next three Sundays, this passage, and then on December 23rd will be, I believe we're actually just going to do a candlelight service on Christmas morning. Um, I just felt like the Lord spoke that when we were, when we were doing that. But we're going to do that on Christmas morning, and, and uh, we're just going to have a really good time in this text because I believe the Lord has something for us in this, okay? Because, like, I, 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 be, I didn't become a Christian just so I can escape hell. We say that a lot, Okay. We became a Christian so that we can bear the image of God here on earth. And through bearing his image, he has brought glory. And as he's brought glory, more people began to give their life and yield to him. And they began to bear the image of God. All right. So Luke 1, 26 says this, folks. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, verse 26, was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, <laughs> coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Like, you understand what's happening? Like, here's this teenage girl, and an angel shows up <laughs> and says, greetings, favored one. Like, how many of y'all would probably be a little freaked out by that, right? Just a little bit. Thank you, Tim. You're paying attention. I'll give you a gold star later, buddy. I love Tim. I really do. I really do. And I love Addie over here with her flags, too, this morning. That was amazing. You did amazing. There, I, I'm just going to say this. There's a lot of adults in here that don't have the guts to do what you did this morning. And I, and I honor you for that, sweetheart. <laughs> and coming in, he said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very, <laughs> she was very perplexed. I love this. He, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb 
and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. <laughs> he will be great. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. So it's not just one miracle, it's two miracles. So here's this virgin that's going to bear a child, and here's this elderly woman that's been barren her whole life gets pregnant too. Crazy. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she was called barren and is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. <laughs> and I love Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Amen. And the angel departed from her. I think the Lord's just yearning for that very last line, by the way. <laughs> may it be done according to your word. Some of you in this room, some of you in this room, the Lord has given you, I say promises. Sometimes the Lord gives you dreams. And even sometimes the hopes that you have in your heart are actually from God, okay? And then, then and I'll say this, don't feel guilty for having hopes and dreams. Like you're like, well, I want my kid to have a better life. I think that's a really good hope and dream to have. And if some of you have dreams like, man, I'm in this job, but the Lord has called me to do something else and I just can't get out of it. I'm telling you, don't give up on that. And may it just be done according to the word of the Lord, whatever that is. Maybe it's for you to begin to serve, whatever it is. I'm just saying this has nothing to do with what I'm about to preach, but I'm saying the Lord has spoken something over many of you in this room and you have yet to do it. And I'm saying may it be done so according to the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. All right. So here, here's, here's what I believe the Lord would have for us over the next few weeks. Is that like we, we're calling this the birth of revival and, and it's the birth of Jesus. But let me read to you the definition of revival. And, and I think this will all make sense. All right. So Webster says that revival is an improvement in the condition, strength or fortunes of someone or something. It's an improvement in the strengths or conditions or fortunes of someone or something. An instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. A new production of an old play or a similar work. So it's like the Lord, he does new things, but most time he does something new. It's he brings something old back to the forefront that was important, but somehow it lost its importance. And so we say that, I read that definition, an improvement of condition, strength, fortune of someone or something, an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again, a new production of an old play or a similar work. It's literally bringing something that was dead and breathing life back into it again. And so we know that through the fall of Adam, through the fall of Adam and Eve, all right, they sinned, they were walking in covenant relationship with God, and and because they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they ended up being put out of the garden. And in that, 
that holiness, that purity, that covenant relationship, that intimacy that they walked with, it was, it was severed apart, right? And so then Jesus came. We know that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? That ability to walk with God. And so when Jesus comes, the, pre the, the premise of this is that when Jesus came, he came to revive the hopes and dreams of the Father, which was that there would be a people of his that would walk in covenant relationship with him. That are, and I say covenant relationship. I'm saying that they would walk without spot, wrinkle, or blemish because he's not coming back for a dirty bride. He's not coming back for a hard, he's coming back for a bride, again, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's coming back for a holy bride. Until, until then, he's not coming back. Doesn't matter what ISIS is doing. Doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Doesn't matter if there's wars and rumors of war. I mean, he says there will be wars and rumors of war. He says he's coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. If that's what he says he's coming back for, I'm going to pray that he comes back for that. All right. So Jesus is literally the person of revival. His, his arrival is an announcement that things are this way, but they do not have to any longer be this way. That's what his birth is an announcement. It, it's an announcement that God the Father is saying, I'm going to improve the conditions on the earth. You were you were." Far away from me, but guess what? Because he's going to come, I'm going to prove the conditions. You can live on earth, and you can actually live in my presence. Now, we can, in Hebrews, it says that you can approach the throne of grace with boldness in your time of need. Before the atoning sacrifice of Christ, it would have been illegal for you to enter into the Holy of Holies. The Lord is, is announcing that he's going to give strength to men again. And it's not our strength, it's his strength. He was announcing that he's restoring the fortunes of the earth. And, and I'm not talking about prosperity in the sense of money. I'm saying, I'm talking about prosperity as a mindset that I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I don't have to walk around as an orphan anymore because Jesus came and shed his blood. I actually become a son. Jesus was forsaken. Right? That's what the word says. The Lord, he was forsaken. Why? So that I was no longer forsaken, right? He took his identity, uh, uh, he left his identity literally when he was beaten and bloodied on the cross and he took on the identity of sin. He took on the identity of sin, guilt, shame, condemnation. Why? So that I could take on the identity as a son. Amen. Amen. So he's restoring the fortunes of the earth. That's revival. Here's what I believe. I believe the Lord has given us the same call. Now, here, I'm not saying we're Jesus. I'm saying we're called to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child, this is actually what I preached through last Christmas season, or last Advent, Advent season. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Isn't that mind-boggling, by the way? A newborn baby... And Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies the government will rest on this child's soldiers, shoulders, not soldiers. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, or Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Right here, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. There will be, there'll be no end to his kingdom. There'll be no end to the increase of his kingdom, which means that it always should be growing and not shrinking back. And by the way, as his kingdom grows, peace grows because peace is always an announcement that he's there. Because he's not a God of chaos. He's not a God of disorder. He's not a God of, 
strife. He's a God of peace. And so if his kingdom comes, peace is always an announcement that he's there. And so that's like, that's like when you, uh, some of the older folks will say, like, like you prayed through. What do you pray through to? You pray through until it's like, he's got this. It's like, how do you, and, and, and so there's like certain situations that, that like I'm still praying because I don't have a peace about him, but then there's some things that I haven't seen change yet, but the Lord gave me a peace that change is coming in those situations. So it's like when I got that peace, that was the announcement that he is going to move and I don't need to ask him for it anymore because he's given me the assurance that he's going to do it. There'll be no end to the increase of his, I'm not anywhere near my notes. <laughs> I have the scriptures in there. I'm not anywhere near what I thought. <laughs> there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. He's going to establish his kingdom with justice. What's justice? I think justice is simply, like, it's, it's what we're saying, on earth this is in heaven. I think justice is the Lord just saying, it's there, it's here. It's not there, it's here. That's justice. You could, it's like giving a, giving a wrongfully imprisoned person justice. What is it? They're not going to be wrongfully imprisoned there, right? That's justice. All right. And righteousness, which is right standing with him. From then on <laughs> and forevermore. And then it says... The zeal of the Lord of hosts or the zeal of the Lord of angels will accomplish this. So here's this verse that, you know, this we read about Mary and what the angel said to her. And then this is what Jesus is coming to accomplish. And, and what's he coming to accomplish? He's coming to establish his kingdom. To take back that which was lost, right? To... To Genesis 1.28, to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth, to, to really take dominion of the earth, to expand the boundaries of the garden. That's, that's essentially what we are called to do, to expand the boundaries of his kingdom here in Louisville. And, and so I believe this. I believe that, I understand that Mary gave birth to Jesus, but I believe that because of Christ in us, the hope of glory, we are called to give, literally, I'm just going to say it, we're called to give birth to revival in this city. Because, and it's not because of anything we do, but it's because of him in us. All right. So how do we give birth to revival in this generation? We do it by literally, and it's like some of this is like a, a theme that we've been talking about a lot recently, but it's just receiving the favor of the Lord. Look at verse, or Luke, uh, Luke 1, 26 again. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. So, so this angel shows up and says, Greetings, favored one, <laughs> right? And then she, I'm, I'm sure, again, it scared the living daylights out of her. And, and when he says favored one, he means greeting one endowed with grace. Yes. 
greeting one that is literally wrapped in grace, covered with grace. And, and, and then he says, the Lord is with you. Or it means when he says greetings favored one, he means greetings to the one that's fully covered with grace and fully full of grace. And I think, man, that's what I really want to do, right? And by the way, when you give your life to him, you're fully covered in grace, which does not empower us where we are. It actually, grace meets us where we are and empowers us to move forward. That's what grace is. It's a supernatural strength. Ephesians, I'm going to rattle off a lot of verses today. He says, endowed full of grace. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The same word favored is used in Ephesians 1, 6, where it says, five says, he predestined, which literally means he decided before everything began. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which means to the glory of his favor. You could use that interchangeably, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And so I'm not, I'm saying that, that here's Mary, here's this young girl. She really is a young girl. Here's this young girl. Angel shows up and says, you're high and you're favored. You are full of grace. You are covered with grace and the Lord is with you like this. I'm sorry. This would have freaked me out. I believe that if we would receive the favor of the Lord and receiving the favor of the Lord isn't a, a pride issue. I think it's full humility. It is full humility because it's not saying that you're better than anyone. It's saying I'm favored by God. What is that? I mean, it's saying that like you can even say something like this, and, and this will probably, like, if he who became, if he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God. I could also say this, like right here in Ephesians chapter 1, when it says he predestined us to adoption. If you're in the faith, and, and we know that 1 Peter 5, 7 says that he desires that, that none shall perish and all shall inherit, inherit eternal life. You could say that if you've given your life to the Lord, that you're the will of God, which is absolutely crazy, by the way, to think of. But he predestined you to be a son. And if you're a son or a daughter, it means you're the will of God because he doesn't will you to be an orphan. And then John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so that would be the same as saying, like if he, if he came to give me an abundant life, which literally means I came to give you life with an advantage, is the most literal translation of that. So when the angel shows up and says, you're blessed and you're highly favored, he's saying, ha, you're covered with grace. You're favored. You actually are the will of God. You, by the way, are going to live your life with an advantage because I am with you. Listen, we live with an advantage because we have him inside of your hearts. And look, it's like, oh, we're defeated. No, give me a stinking break, man. He is with you. You're highly favored. You're blessed. And the only way you receive that is if you say, I actually believe that. It's by faith through grace, which empowers you to believe that. <laughs> Our identity is that you're favored. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's just in the word. <laughs> I got my notes out of here. 
Human wisdom doesn't believe this is possible. I mean, seriously. It's like, like again, like if you look at this, if you, I mean, an angel shows up and you're telling a virgin that you're going to give birth to a son and the father's going to be God. I mean, this isn't like an episode of Mari Povich or something, okay? This is an angel showing up saying, you're going to be pregnant and I know you're a virgin, but you're still going to be pregnant because the Lord's actually going to put his son inside of you and you're going to carry him nine months and you're going to give birth to him and you're going to raise him up and not to put any pressure on him, but he's going to be the savior of the world. <laughs> like some of y'all have, high expect- have a high expectation of my child, but, but like that's like, that'd be a lot to deal with. Human wisdom says that this is not possible. And actually, Mary's initial response is she's like, no. Look, look at this. He says, the Lord is with you. In verse 29, she was very perplexed. She was like, what? She was very perplexed at this statement. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation or what kind of greeting was this? What kind of declarative sentence was this? She's like, I don't get it. But he said, the Lord is with you. Brian Simmons, uh, the person that translated the the uh, Passion Translation, he says this about this passage. He says, for Gabriel, the angel, to say that the Lord is with you signified that Jesus, our master, had been literally conceived in her womb. It's not just, it's, 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 he said it, 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 that Jesus had been conceived in her womb. This is what perplexed her. This is what bewildered her. And so here's this virgin, and the Lord says, the angel says, you're pregnant. And not that you're pregnant by normal way, but you're actually pregnant because the Spirit placed him inside of your womb. And that's what, mind-boggled her. Now, what's interesting to me is John 7, 38 says this. We know this verse, that from your innermost being will flow rivers of living waters, right? That's one of our favorite verses. We talk about, like, you know, like giving Jesus away to people. Innermost being doesn't translate from your heart. It actually translates as from your womb, so from your womb will flow rivers of living water. And so, so what I believe is this, that yes, Mary carried Jesus, but we understand now that he lives inside of our hearts, literally, and that us as followers of Jesus have this privilege to, if you will, give birth to him everywhere we go. Some of y'all was like, this is weird. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> saying human wisdom does not think that that is possible. It makes no sense that God, the creator of the universe, the one that went, let there be, and it was so, and it was good, could do that. That he could impregnate a virgin with his son, and through his son the world might be saved. I'm like, that's like, Like, I didn't believe it. Like, most of my life, I didn't believe it. I thought this was nuts. I thought this was nuts. 
That was till July 15th, 2007. You guys heard me share that story before. Like, I went occasionally with her and threw out a child uh, on Christmas and Easter to make my grandmother happy, you know? I did that whole thing, but I thought this stuff was bonkers. And I was told, he's like, no. Like, I don't know how, and, and I'm not preaching my testimony this morning. I'm just saying, like, there was a moment where I'm like, I actually believe this. Like, I am so convinced that it doesn't matter what you say. You can't talk me out of it. Amen. It's like, anyway. Colossians 1.27 says this. <laughs> to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In you, <laughs> translate Christ in your womb, the hope of glory. And like, guys, it's like, like, I know that's a hard to understand. You don't have a womb, but you could like just think in your belly, right? But in you is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so the Lord loves, if you excuse me for this, but the Lord in loves impregnating his people with Jesus. He loves filling you with Jesus. Like we even said this, like when we planted River City Hope Church, we, we were praying and believing that, that we launched pregnant, meaning that we were going to give birth to other churches around the city. Why is it any different than when we give our life to him that we believe that we're going to lead other people around us in our city to him? Luke 12, 32 says this, Be not afraid, little flock. If this is enough evidence for you, I'm just going to read a few more verses. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? Luke 17, 20 says, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is. It's not like the Lord's going, oh, the kingdom, right? That's, not what it, that's literally what that's saying. It's saying that the kingdom of God is in your midst. What's the kingdom? Anywhere the king's at. Who's the king? <laughs> Jesus. There's a lot of teaching today. I just want you to understand this, that we have this privilege, like if the world is going to meet Christ, which is what we are called to do. Like, and, and, and again, I don't think it's staying on the street corner yelling and berating people. I actually think that it's like Romans 8, that the world is waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest, which means to actually just show themselves like they're a son of God. Or Romans 8 also says that all of creation is waiting with expectation or all of creation is groaning. I, I believe that if we would just live this stuff out, like I am favored, not in arrogance, but I'm favored, I am blessed. He is my father, I am his son, or he is my father, I am his daughter. And if I could live with that confidence, if I could look at someone and love someone that I didn't even know, right? It's like last night, we went to, we came back from the Christmas thing and, and I got to choose where we ate last night. Which I, and, and I went, to, went to our restaurant and it was packed. Like, and to say it was packed is an understatement. Like it was like loud and packed, but I really wanted to eat where we ate at. And this poor waitress, we, we, uh, we, she gave us her meal. She waited on us. She did an amazing job. And, and I don't know how she did an amazing job other than the Lord had to have helped her because she shouldn't have done an amazing job because how busy it was. And you could watch her. Other people were kind of being mean to her and asking real all these crazy requests. And I'm telling you, just put ourselves on a pedestal. I'm telling you, that's just how real it is and how easy it is. But we went to pay, and she said, I'll be back with your change. And we said, we don't need any change. And right there, she started tearing up. 
<laughs> April, April looks at her and says, God bless you, sweetheart. And I'm like, bless you. And she's like all teary-eyed. Like, and we didn't even preach to her. And we didn't lay hands on her. We didn't, we didn't do nothing. I'm saying the world is waiting for people just to just... You know, like, well, isn't that a random act of kindness? No, I don't think it's a random act of kindness. I think it's actually very intentional that we have to be able to give the love of God away. Okay? And I think that is what the world is waiting for. That's the rivers of living water. It's, it's just like, man, when everyone else is grumpy and mad, and it's funny to me, everyone's out and they're doing their little Christmas stuff and everyone's angry and grumpy. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, there's nothing to really be angry or grumpy for because Christ is here. And so maybe, maybe when everyone's angry or grumpy and when everyone's hurried, maybe we can be happy and joyful and slow down and make eye contact with people. I'm telling you, that's how we win the city. <laughs> we need to rent a bunch of bounce houses and place them out front of the church. Give me a break, dude. No, we need to just live the gospel out. <laughs> we just need to, I'm not saying we won't do that ever. I'm just saying that's probably not how we're going to lead someone that's hurting, lost, and dying, or someone that's really broken. Or that's how we're not going to comfort someone whose husband just left them for someone else, right? Or that's not how we're going to comfort someone that is worried how in the world they're going to bless their kids or how in the world they're going to afford Christmas when the electric bill came in much higher than it should have been. I'm saying that if we could live this stuff out, man, it changes everything around us. And I promise you, by the way, some of us are like, man, I'm just a, I'm miserable all the time. And I'm not negating that. I'm just saying you probably would be a little happier. You could be a little happier if you just intentionally love on people. Hmm. All right. And uh, if we're going to birth revival in our city, we can't afford to be afraid. Like, this is so simple. Can't afford to be afraid. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, <laughs> for you have found favor with God. I love that, by the way. Do not be afraid. Like, I'm thinking, an angel showed up, had a visitation, and you're saying that I'm going to give birth to a baby, and I've never laid with a man, and I'm engaged, I'm not even married yet, and he's not going to want me. Like, I'm thinking I'd be scared to death if I was her. He says, don't be afraid. <laughs> you found favor with God, which afraid means don't be alarmed or don't live in a perpetual state of fear. Do not live in a perpetual state of anxiety. Like some of us, we not, may not feel like we're afraid, but some of us are full of anxiety, right? And the Lord's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be filled with perpetual anxiety, right? You have no reason to fear. Actually, this, the Passion translates this verse as do not yield to fear, which, which yield, it means don't even slow down because of fear, right? Like some of y'all don't even, well, it's, it's Kentucky. People don't know what yield signs mean anyway. They're like, yield means I'm gonna go just blast right through it and hope that the person that actually has the right of way slows down for me, right? But, but common sense says, no, I slow down and make sure things are okay. This is saying, do not yield to fear. Don't slow down and don't stop because if you slow down, you're probably gonna stop, by the way. But if you stop, do not, do not do that because if you stop, you'll probably never actually go back to it. And if she would have yielded to fear, she'd have been like, I don't want this. This isn't the life I asked for. 
right? This isn't what I wanted for myself. This isn't what I need. This, this is the last thing that I need is to be like, Joseph. I mean, seriously. Which, by the way, this isn't just a matter of her saying, surprise, you're going to be a daddy. This is, I'm pregnant, which he had the legal right to kill her. It was a matter of life and death. So not only did she have to believe the angels, she had to believe that Joseph would have been okay with it because her life was literally in his hands. He could have been like, I'm done. I'm going to divorce you and actually we're going to stone you to death later. I'm moving on. He could have done it. An angel says, do not yield to fear. What would it look like as Christians if we didn't yield to fear? What would it look like if we weren't full of anxiety all the time? It's like, and, and, I, and we say this stuff all the time, but there's not much difference between me and, and, and my next door neighbor. There's not much difference than me, than Joe Schmo that doesn't know Christ. The, the, because they have the same problems as that I have, right? Everyone has issues with family. I'm not prophesying this. I'm just saying everyone has issues with family. Most of y'all have that one crazy uncle, right? Or that one sibling that just, just get under your skin sometimes. That's just what happens. I don't understand it, but y'all have that. Everyone has bills. Everyone has unexpected bills that come in, right? People have financial issues. People have job loss. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. People have hurt, heartaches and disappointments and sorrows. It doesn't make it any different. I have the exact same stuff as someone that does not know Christ. The difference is, is that I know him and that he walks me through those things and sometimes he may not even walk me through those things sometimes it's like he's got me by the back of the shirt he's dragging me through those things right and other times it's like he's carrying me through those things regardless he is with me and that gives me hope knowing like look I've given my life to you and so therefore you're responsible for it that's the difference between us and them. And it's not an us and them thing, so don't hear that because sometimes we say it is us and it is them. And when you do that, you create lines and divide people. And I'm saying it's, it's us. They just don't know that they're us yet. It's not even like Christian and non-Christian. It's like Christian and future Christian or potential Christian. It's different. And so don't yield the fear. What's that look like? It could be like this morning, worshiping. Like you, I, I, I never forget that like when I went all in and I gave my life to him, like it was like took several weeks. Like we were worshiping. We were in a very demonstrative worship style church too. And we'd be in the third or, I'm sorry. We were in like third or fourth row. And, and forever I'd, I'd do this. Everyone be singing. <laughs> and I'm holding on the chair in front of me for dear life, Right? And then one day I was like, I'm so afraid to do this. They're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> right? Right? And then I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then it's like, whatever this thing is, I don't know. But I'm just saying. I'm saying that don't let fear keep you. Don't let fear keep you from giving him what he deserves. And it, this made me very worship for you. I'm not negating that. I'm just saying that whatever he asks you to do, do it. Don't let fear do it. And it could be a step of faith. Maybe the Lord's calling you to give sacrificially. Maybe the Lord's calling you to bless someone. Maybe the Lord's calling you to serve some way, shape, or form or the other. Maybe the Lord's calling you to make some major life decision. Don't yield to fear and allow fear to win. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Like, like you could use yielding to fear in any situation whatsoever. And so we're going to allow the Lord to win this city and bring revival through us. We can't allow fear to win. All right. We need, I think the Lord just wants confidence to arise. It's like this. I say confidence to arise. And then I, was, I was actually thinking of my dogs this morning when I was looking at this. I'm sorry, I made a mess. Like you guys know what little dog syndrome is? Right? Little dog syndrome is like the little yippy dogs that when they're out walking with their owners, that they're like, ah, right? They think they're like some big ferocious pit bull or something, right? Or they think they're a big bulldog or a German shepherd, like these little yippy things. Like, no, but when they're with their owner. But the moment that they're off the leash in the house and you go in their house, they're like, they hide, Right? When we come to the revelation that we are walking with the Lord, like you understand, like the dog doesn't have confidence because the dog is big. The dog has confidence because the owner with them is big. So when I come to the revelation that he's walking with me, I don't have to be afraid, not because I've worked myself up, but it's because I believe that the one I've given my life to it's bigger than, than I am. And I, we actually declared that, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yeah. Right? Jesus always, I'm going to belabor this just for a few minutes here. Jesus, Jesus always reminds us, or the word always reminds us, anytime God gets ready to use something, uh, use something, use someone in the word, that's always that reaction like, no, can't do that. And the Lord speaks and says, do not be afraid. It's all throughout the word. It's like Judges chapter 6. Here's Gideon who's hiding from the Midianites, right? And he's like taking care of what little crops he has left. And an angel of the Lord shows up. An angel of the Lord shows up and appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. (laughs) And here's Gideon like hiding, like afraid that they're going to steal his stuff. He's not valiant. He's certainly not a warrior. And the Lord says, this is what you are. Why? Because the Lord doesn't see you who you are or as who you are. The Lord sees you as who you could be if you fully surrendered to him and he lived inside of you. And so, so when Jesus came, it wasn't so that we could live defeated. It was so that we could actually understand who you are in him. Right? It's like in Daniel chapter 10. I love this. Daniel 10, the angel Michael showed up. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> Kidding. But the angel Michael shows up and he says, Daniel 10, 10 says, Then behold, this is crazy, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So sometimes you find yourself in predicaments and it's like the hand of the Lord comes and you're like, Oh man, he's here. He's here. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man of high esteem. Like, he's not of high esteem right here. He says, oh, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright. 
for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. So here's Daniel, who's literally staring down the face of an evil ruler, and he's honoring him. He is honoring the man. He's honoring him, but he's staring down the face of an evil ruler, and, and Daniel is afraid, and the angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. From the day that you set your heart towards me, I have been with you, and I've heard your words ever since you set your heart towards me. Like, if you don't think that would give you confidence, I don't know what would, man. And suddenly, like, <laughs> it's like David writes in the Psalms, unless I would have cherished sin in my heart, you would not have heard my prayers. I repent. I'm not identified with that man. He hears. So the Lord shows up and he announces, do not be afraid. First Samuel, I like this one too. Oh, no, let's look at Joshua. Joshua 1.6. Joshua 1.6 says this, be strong and courageous. That's like we talked about this a few weeks ago. Here's, here's Joshua that's following Moses that had basically shepherded and pastored the Israelites for 40 years. That's a long time to follow anyone, right? It doesn't matter. It's like in, in ministry, we, we sometimes say that like it's, it's hard to follow someone that's been at a church for 10, 15, 20 years. It's just hard because no matter how long that next leader has sat underneath that previous leader, People expect them to be the mirror image of that person, of the predecessor. And it doesn't work that way. And it's the same thing in a workforce. If you had a boss that was at your job for a really long time and they move on or they get fired, whatever, the people expect you to be a boss like the former boss. It doesn't happen that way. And so here's Joshua that Moses, you know, Moses had, had prophesied this plague and all this stuff and led the people. And Moses took the rod and split the sea in half. And Moses is dead and he's gone. And then Joshua's like, you're going to have to lead the people now, what the Lord tells them. And the Lord says, do not be afraid. Be strong and be courageous. I think that's very significant, folks. It's very significant. Anytime the Lord wants to do something in you and through you, the Lord begins to convince you that you have no reason to be afraid. Right. Why? Because there's going to be an opportunity for you to be afraid. Let's look at one more. We're having fun. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Now, this doesn't use the word be afraid, but I believe this is the one that um, the Lord really laid on my heart this morning for this purpose. Is the moment I tell you, or the moment someone tells you that you could actually change the world, the moment that someone tells you that you can bring revival to your city, is the moment you think, no, I can't. <laughs> like, seriously? We're looking at a, 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 a 1,600-square-foot room full of people this morning. You're saying, we can change our city? And I'm saying, absolutely, you can. Yeah. But the moment we start saying stuff like that is the moment that you start like, have you seen my resume? <laughs> you don't know the stuff I've said or did? Well, he does. And he's saying, don't be afraid. But look at 16.7. But the Lord said to Samuel... So, so, so here's Samuel, the prophet, and he's about to anoint, he's about to anoint David, who will eventually be the king, right? And 
Samuel shows up and he's like, uh, that one. And the Lord's like, no. And he's like, that one. The Lord's like, no. And he's like, that one. The Lord's like, no. And that one, that one, that one. And the Lord's like, no to all of them. And all these guys are, are, are strong and equipped and, and just whatever. And then Samuel's like, is there someone else? Because I went through all these guys and I don't understand. And dad's like, oh yeah, David, <laughs> the runt. <laughs> he's out in the fields. He's out in the fields. <laughs> he's shepherding some sheep. And not only is he shepherding sheep, he's actually out there worshiping, which is amazing too. The Lord's actually looking. He's not looking for mighty men and women of God. He's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and worship in truth. And so, so David comes, and, and I, I just think, that, and again, I, I may be reading into it, but I think this is just what, what Samuel did and went, like, that guy? Like, are you for real? All right, you know? But this is what the Word says. Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I've rejected, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So as, as the Lord starts to tell you, don't be afraid, you start coming up with excuses. like, and It's almost like you tried to build a case against yourself why God can't use you. It's like when I got saved, when I got, saved, when I got born again, July 15, 2007, I was at the altar and gave my life to Jesus and the Lord spoke and said, you're going to pastor and preach the day you die. It was like, boom, boom. And I'm like, I've only been reading the red letters for 90 days. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the truth. I'm like, I've, I, <laughs> don't you want someone else that spent, you know, the last 20 years reading this thing? You want someone else? Like, no. You. I don't understand that. But I'm saying that there comes a moment when the Lord speaks that you have to believe what he's speaking. And very oftentimes when the Lord speaks to you, it's not going to make any sense to those around you. Now, you should honor wise counsel. You should surround yourself with good counsel. But I'm saying not everything always adds up. Sometimes in the kingdom of God, one plus one is like 28. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense, but it's coming together. And so when Jesus, or the angel shows up to Mary and says, greetings, favored one, right? You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She had that, she had that opportunity to like, whatever. <laughs> Are you crazy? Like, you know? I mean, she had that opportunity. And at the very end of Luke, one, she's like, I don't get it, but may it be done according to your word. I don't get it, may it be done according to your word. The Lord is asking us to do things. No, I'm not trying to point. The Lord is asking us to do things. And I just want us to say, Lord, may it be done according to your word. I'm going to receive the identity that you're telling me. Because oftentimes, like we just read, valiant warrior to Gideon. 
This is a guy hiding. This is a coward. Here's Joshua, that he wasn't equipped to lead the people. You know what Joshua did, by the way? It's really interesting to me. It says that Moses would go to the tent of meeting, and he would hear what God was saying, and he'd go back and tell the people. And so you would think that Joshua should have learned how to be a leader, but it actually says Joshua stayed behind at the tent and refused to leave. And I believe that's actually what qualified him to lead the people because he valued the presence of God. Yes. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever except for he did. So I'm telling you, get over the way you feel about yourself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying get over the way you feel about yourself because if that world out there is going to come into a saving knowledge of him, we need to get over the way we feel and think. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting what happened. I'm not discounting what happened to you. I'm not discounting what you have went through. I'm not discounting any of that. I'm saying greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And greater, and, and it's like, you know, the, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word, right? And so it's like, if his word, if his blood speaks better of me, then I don't need to listen to the way I think and feel sometimes. Because I'll tell like even to this day, there's days I'm like, I hear it. Who in the world are you to stand before a group of people and preach a message, especially if something as important as Christmas? Or on Easter, I feel the weight of that too. I'm like, who am I to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus to people that may not have ever heard it or to people that have heard it longer than I've been alive? Like, who in the world am I to do that? He says, you're blessed and you're highly favored. It's like, well, I guess I'm going to believe that more than what I'm hearing in my head right now, Lord. Amen. And I say that with fear and trembling. I feel like Daniel is like, all right, I'm going to do it. We need to receive that favor. And then you need to walk in it. You need to walk in it. It's like, well, I don't feel, I don't feel favored. I actually wish the Lord would do me a favor, <laughs> right? I'm saying, let's just walk this thing out, man, and believe it. And then, when the enemy comes to eat your lunch and says, oh, that scares the living daylights out of me and I'm afraid, I'm saying, let's just be like, you know what? May it be done according to your word, Lord. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. I want to pray. I want to say this one more thing. And at the very end, we're going to receive communion this morning. Okay? One of the things that oftentimes happens when the enemy especially, because he's a liar. You can't tell the truth. Oftentimes when the enemy speaks to you, I say oftentimes, when the enemy speaks to you and you hear something, it's a complete lie. So you could hear stuff like this. Like what if the Lord tells you that you're called to serve? And I'm trying to... All right, so I'll, I'll use myself as an example so I don't have to do this, so I don't have to like guess and make pointy fingers. A few weeks ago, I was having extremely high blood pressure, extremely high, and it was about the time my mom was having it, and so it was like, huh, all this stuff's going on, and I could hear the chirping. Like, I, I've lost, and again, I'm not drawing attention to myself, I've lost a lot of weight the last year. Like, I'm healthier than I've been in years. And I'm having this chest pain and this, this racing, and I'm hearing stuff like this. 
You're running yourself ragged. You're going to have a heart attack. You can't do this. You need to slow down. You need to, and it sounds like wise human knowledge, by the way, but there's a way that seems right to man. But it's that you need to quit doing the things that you're doing or else you're going to burn yourself up. And actually what you have, it can't be cured. And I, I'm hearing this stuff. And I'm sitting there, and I'm actually listening to one of my favorite preachers. I'm listening to a podcast. And he said this. If you're hearing something that you know that is not from heaven, why do you even receive that? Because it's a lie. And so I'm like, <laughs> like literally, I'm like, wait. And I'm putting the pieces together in my car. And I'm like, no. I'm not doing too much. And so I started just praying that out. I'm like, Father, I thank you I'm not doing too much. Father, I thank you that my heart isn't actually in bad shape. I thank you for perfect health. I thank you that even though I've lost this weight, that there's no health issues with me. I thank you that my blood pressure is not going to be high, but it's actually going to get regulated. I thank you that I'm not going to burn myself up. I thank you I'm not going to stroke out. I thank you I'm not going to have a heart attack. I, believe, I thank you that everything I'm hearing right now is actually from the enemy, and it's a complete lie. And if it's a complete lie, I'm just going to believe the exact opposite of it. Amen. Come on. So when you start to hear those lies on why you can't, receive that as your permission for why you can. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to hopeforrivercity.com. Again, that's hope, the number four, rivercity.com.